I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets, all that and much more. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca wherever you get your podcasts. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. So let's do a bit of a brain dump on happiness and see what happens. Um, I know I'm wanting to show up consistently more, and I think that's actually a good place to start, is finding something that you can show up to consistently. There's a tweet I came across recently that was uh, something about, like, if you are only walking where you want to go on sunny days, then you'll never get there. And I think that is a part of a major shift for me personally, especially over the course of this podcast. I've talked a lot about, you know, taking rest and taking mental health days and those things are important. When you really need to rest and implement R&R into your life, like that's vital. People spend too much money on vacations to you know, spend all this time and energy and money to go somewhere nice to be able to sit and read a book when, you know, you could do that a lot simpler and integrated into your life. You don't need to do that. I think the only reason anyone should take a vacation is to experience something different than what you're experiencing now. And that could be for multiple reasons. That could be simply just to go see something, to eat some food, to have stories to tell or to create some separation from the energies in your existing life, which can also be very vital to happiness, is this feeling of needing to create some contrast. I'm a big believer in the idea that contrast reveals all things. And if you're dealing with excess stress, whether that's in your job or your relationship, or even you can't diagnose what is going on, then creating some contrast, either all of it, you know, one, all at once, you know, finding a way to get away from your circumstance or, you know, one thing at a time and run little experiments, you know, find a way to maybe spend a little less time with your partner, not in a mean way and not in like a, we need a break kind of way, but, you know, find a hobby, find something to do that maybe you're spending too much time with each other and you're not creating some separation. It could be really possible to get too entangled and not 
be able to tell where you end and the other person begins. And uh, that's important to create some, some distinction and separation. It could be with family. It could be with your kids. It could be with your work. It could be just with your environment. It could be with your city. There's definitely culture and energies when it comes to different cities and vibes and all of that stuff. And I think creating some contrast is important. And then when you come back, you can get a sense of, of it's not really the feeling of when you go to the place. It's the feeling of when you come back. Are you relieved to come back home or are you like dreading it? Not, not the anticipation, but when you actually get back, what is the feeling, right? And then from that feeling, what can you then start to change? And it could be some subtle changes. It could be like, oh, I ate different food in the other place and then my diet at home really sucks and I don't feel good. Uh, it could be like my city doesn't have enough energy or I don't have enough things to do. My itinerary was full and I was, I was busy and happy and fulfilled doing stuff on my vacation or wherever I went. And when I come home, everything feels kind of empty and hollow and there's no direction. Like it's very possible to have too much time. And I think that's the flip side of this idea of rest is you can do it too much. You can have too much open space and not know what to do with it and feel kind of aimless and hopeless and lost and perhaps in your own head too much and not engaged in life. And engaging in life is powerful, especially, you know, I've had some people, I've talked about personality types a lot on this podcast and I'm very immersed in the personality type space. It's part of what I do with my client, uh, one of my clients with personality hacker and the personality space is immersed with people who are, uh, very much, uh, nerds about information. And I think there is a lot of that. Uh, we're a very information dense world right now. It's really easy to access, uh, even advice, information, ideas, concepts. Even this podcast is like you're, you're listening, right? I don't know if you're actively engaged in something, you're working on something, but much of it is, I know for me, and I'm going to speak for myself here, that it's very easy to absorb, 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 and not actually engage in life. And not engaging in life is where a lot of frustration comes from and a lot of unhappiness. Another reframe, I think, around happiness is knowing that happiness is not a permanent state, right? I like to really use the word joy more than happiness, but happy is a little more clickbaity. So I'm going to use the word happy, but you know, joy is really riding the wave of the weather systems of our emotional experiences. And that means not fighting what the reality of what we're experiencing is. That's what's ultimately going to bring joy and happiness is if you're in a context where you're mourning and grieving a loss, then if you're trying to force yourself to be happy, you're just repressing that mourning and loss and your body is probably going to react negatively to that because you're not processing through. You're not talking to someone. You're not writing it out or journaling or feeling the feelings or crying or expressing frustration or grief or asking the existential questions or whatever that comes with grief and loss. 
It's like feeling and being with those things. It's, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. But it's mostly the fear of the unknown. It's like, will these emotions kill me? Will they hurt me? Will they take me out? What's next now that this person's gone or this situation's gone or things have changed? Like, it's the fear of the unknown that is usually scarier than the emotion itself. Because the emotion is already happening. You're already experiencing it. You are just mentally denying that the experience exists and causing more stress than is already necessary. And that's another aspect is, is emotions on top of emotions, I think, causes a lot of unnecessary suffering. Narratives and stories about how we feel about a feeling. Like, I'm, I'm upset that I'm feeling sadness. Like, that's layering. It's like emotional layering can be really uh, detrimental to our ability to process what is and be with what is. And it's like this, un we undermine ourselves because we, we get so attached to the feeling about the feeling about the feeling that, you know, sometimes we get frustrated at how long it's taking to process, but like panicking about how long it's taking to process is going to prolong the processing, right? It's like, um, something I experience all the time with myself or like my kids or, uh, or my wife is like panicking about time. It's like, there's no time. And you're just panicking about the time, but you're panicking about having no time is wasting your time. <laughs> so it, it, we do these paradoxical things all the time and it's really hard to get out of these habits and loops, but it's, it's important to notice them first and to just take a moment to stop and recognize when we're feeling an emotion that is, is creating a story about an emotion or contradicting an emotion or layering on top of an emotion. And you know, the, the real healing is getting to what the emotion is and trying to name it and be with it and honor it. You know, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes we're in busy life circumstances. We've got kids, we've got life stuff to do. We've got work and you know, it's, it's, those are the times when life gets really, really busy that we have to do audits of how we are spending our attention. And I think audits of where we're putting our attention is important too. It's one thing to have too much space. It's another thing to have no space at all. And then realize how much we are taking up our own space. Cause like when you really think about it, we sleep for eight hours, theoretically, some people less, some people more. And the rest of our waking time is like 16 hours. Maybe you work eight hours. You've got to commute if possibly uh, spend time with your kids or you got to go to a thing and do another thing. It's important to take an audit of how much we're filling the gaps in between, especially with our phones and the access to being able to, you know, scroll while we're on the toilet or something and how much we're not letting our brains rest and process you know, we're looking for another hit. We're looking for a dopamine hit. We're looking for something exciting. We're looking for some drama, something interesting, something crazy going on in the world, something to keep our brain just go. Like we don't need to, we don't need to do that all the time. It's an addiction. You're, we're addicted to drama. We're addicted to heightened feelings. We're addicted to the anxiousness. Um, one thing that I think helps with the anxiousness is to shake it out, shake your hands, shake your legs. It's like a baby deer after you're running for a while. Um, the baby deer, uh, needs to, you know, shake out the adrenaline 
and I think we're pretty hooked on the anxiety and the adrenaline, and so if you're, take some time to shake it out, which is not a complicated thing, literally two minutes, like stand where you are, or if you're embarrassed, go to a closet or a bathroom or something, shake your hand, shake your legs, just like kind of move everything, like twitch a little bit, and you know, move the energy through, that's, that's part of managing all the happy chemicals that we talk about on this podcast, right? So <clears throat> moving the energy to the next stage or the next thing and matching the energy to the circumstance. You know, if you're sitting at a desk, like it doesn't make sense to be heightened. If you're taking a poop, you know, like it doesn't make sense to be like flared up with adrenaline. You're not being chased by a tiger, but it's also appropriate to know that if you are being chased by a tiger, you know, those are the chemicals you got to pull up or the ones that are going to make you run or whatever you have to do to deal with a tiger. This is not advice for how to escape a tiger. I'm not very good at that. <laughs> I've never had to do that. Um, hopefully I will never have to experience that. That's, that's, I'm not excited about that possibility. Um, so, you know, happiness is a complicated topic. It's a lot of management. It's a lot to do, but mostly I think it's a lot of steps to get out of our own way. A lot of steps to get out of our own uh, creating narratives, creating logic that sometimes messes us, up, messes, us, messes us up. Sometimes it is really like our wise self knows what we need most of the time. And we're adding layers to our brain and thinking like, no, no, I need this. Or no, I want this. It's like, no, you probably need to breathe. You probably need to eat something. I mean, frankly, like, those are the basic building blocks. Like, it's annoying to say this, and it's frustrating because I was one of those people, like, when I was first managing and dealing with a lot of mental health reckoning, that people would say, like, oh, just go for a run. I don't think you should just go for a run. It's not easy. But it does start with the body. The body keeps the score, as, you know, the book states. And... <clears throat> Moving doesn't have to be complicated. If you're in a depressed state, like, moving is hard. But wiggle your toes. You know, little things. Take the baby steps. Do the little things that will get you there, you know. And if you're going to be... If you're in a depressed state, it's the time to be more diligent than ever. To eat something that's going to be more fulfilling to your body, nutritiously. And it doesn't have to be boring food. Like, one thing I really enjoy is, um, it's called ants on a log. I remember I used to make it a lot when I was a kid. It's like a piece of celery with some peanut butter and some raisins. That's effing delicious. I love that. Um, you know, and it's like experiment, right? You know, find foods that are delicious and nutritious. They sound like a 90s PSA. They sound like Hulk Hogan in the 80s. Eat your vitamins, kids. <laughs> um... But, you know, you had a point. Eat your vitamins, you know? Take care of yourself. Breathe. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. <sighs> As I, I didn't just do that. I breathed in through my mouth, but whatever. I'm doing a podcast, so... <sighs> yeah, that it helps. It's not an instant reliever, but do that. And experiment, you know? Go through the different cycles of possibilities of things that you could do, you know? If you're irritable, try getting a drink of water and see if you feel a little better. If you're having a hard time relating with people, you know, maybe you need a break from people. 
or maybe you need someone who's easier to relate with for a little while because not everyone's easy to relate with. You know, it, it's um, it's a challenge. You know, and, and discipline is a part of it, um, but I don't think hyper-discipline is the answer either. I think that sometimes is advice that you can hear online about being happy. It's like, no, you need to wake up at the same time every day, do these push-ups, eat this food, you know, measure out this exact portion of rice, and uh, eat this juice with an egg in it, and, you know, do enough jumping jacks that your feet start to fall through the floor, and, you know, uh, kiss your wife and go to work and eat a steak, and, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, you don't have to be so pre precise. It's the point of this podcast and why it's called Happy Chemicals is because it's about getting to know your body and chemical makeup, right? It's, it's so challenging even from me or anybody that you get advice from on the internet. It's like most of the time they're selling you their winning lottery ticket. That's not useful to you at all. You know, it's like, they're like, uh, you know, just do the same thing repetitively every day. And it's like, not every brain is really built for that, <laughs> for that kind of consistency. You know, maybe you could do something once a week or once every two weeks, you know, kind of depends on the level of consistency, but also is a degree of pushing yourself, you know, flow and joy is about finding this middle ground between something that is interesting, but also challenging. You know, you're not bored by it and it's not too easy for you. And it doesn't bring you anxiety. It brings you excitement. And it's just something that, that pushes you to learn a little bit, right? It's not exciting to pick a new task. Let's say like you've, you've never done music production and suddenly you're like, you downloaded this music stuff and you have everything built and ready to go. And then you're like, I have no idea where to start that's discouraging. That really sucks. But if you have the ability to just start drumming on your table, you know, it's like, try to develop a rhythm first or listen to a bunch of music, get some ideas. I don't know, figure out whatever the next skill step is. And I think that really helps to kind of push. And, and that all routes back to what I'm essentially trying to say is, is a key component of happiness is some version of service. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean um, doing something that is uh, pro bono or something that is uh, activism or anything that's like local community or anything that doesn't make money or something that uh, is a sacrificial thing. That doesn't have to be the case at all. I love these stories that you hear on some of these like cooking documentaries that have, uh, like street food. I love stories from like street food vendors who are people that they figured out that they love making food for people. So they figure out the business of it. They get a cart and they start making food every day. People come through, they love interacting with people, they serve them, and they're like, this is my purpose. I make food for people, and I make money doing it, pays for my bills, it pays for my family, it puts food on the table, and that person's in flow. And they are creative, they're making new dishes. That's fantastic. And I think we very much get caught up in 
big picture stuff, especially my millennial brethren. We can get very much caught up in needing to save the world and do big things. I think we got kind of caught up in um, being pushed towards being world-centric or pushed towards being academic and not necessarily being given the tools or the ethos of contribution of what it means to to do things on a small scale that add up to big results. And uh, so there's this term, uh, dark horse, uh, I forget what the end of that term is, but it's like, it's like building a dark horse sort of uh, career in a way. It's doing something that is, you know, like those people doing street food. It's like, you don't have to do something grandiose. It's like, what is something that brings you joy that has some sort of feedback mechanism built into it? It's like serving people food and you see them go like, mmm, that's delicious. Like, that brings a hit of joy and you're doing something, right? Sometimes the internet creates this false sense of feedback or, or yeah, it's this false sense of like, we're getting likes and stuff, but it's like, you know, that that's sort of neutralized. You don't really know what that feedback is. It's not monetary feedback. It's not data feedback other than, you know, social popularity or politicking to get more approval. Uh, it's, it's, it's sometimes you're helping people with that, but it's just a, it's just a metric. There's no fulfillment necessarily tied to that metric. It's, it's a, it's a piece of, of the puzzle. It's not the puzzle. It's not the end goal. So we all want to be liked. And I think it's okay to admit that. I think, uh, we can very much get caught up in this feeling too of, well, I got to kill my ego. I have to be selfless. I have to be morally on my path or I have to be ethically sound. And yeah, those things are important. Take into account that what you want to do in life or what's going to bring you happiness and joy and put you into flow needs to be something that resonates with you, resonates with your values or your principles, uh, what makes sense to you, what serves people, what builds something, what connects people, what creates a, a good situation for people, whatever the case may be. Um, and it could really fit into a couple different categories too. Like you can work a nine to five job and contribute to something bigger to your, than yourself. And that could be completely perfectly fulfilling. Well, you know, try that if you haven't tried that. Um, the other is building relationships or building a community and, and building opportunities for people to donate to you or to serve you or to, uh, connect with them, coach with them, help them behind the scenes, that sort of thing. Or taking advantage of, of platforms and creativity, the ability to make music, you know, the middleman has been eliminated over the last few years. You can make music and put it on Spotify. You can learn things on YouTube. There's so many different ways for an individual solo creator to find a way to make a fulfilling life and career. And it's going to take some time, but you know, it's very possible or, you know, being someone who wants to build platforms and create something and be, you know, the next Alex Hermosi or something, you know, someone who is, or Gary V or someone that's like building empires, right? I think that's perfectly valid too, but it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be super small. It could be somewhere in between. It could be serving people. It could be starting your own business. It doesn't have to look any certain way. And, um, 
it has to just ultimately tune to you and your circumstances and your mind. And that means also, you know, maybe sometimes defying your parents. Sometimes it means defying your, your partner, uh, and going in a direction that maybe takes a risk or goes towards a different kind of security than others were expecting. And navigating life on your terms. And I think that's ultimately a major aspect of happiness and joy is going in the direction that is calling you. And that's hard to quantify and tangibilize, but I think you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, some of us are feeling this feeling of like, well, I feel like I know it when I experience it, but I haven't experienced it yet. And that's fine, too. As long as you're trying to experience things. Like, you need life experience. You need to go do stuff. You need to experience things. The challenge is making sure you're not psyching yourself out. It's easy to logic ourselves out of trying something. Or maybe you're an intuitive or someone who has access to intuition in terms of the Myers-Briggs sense of patterning. And seeing a little bit into the future and you're like, eh, I don't know if it's worth to even try it. Try it. Because new possibilities will awake from that. And, and it's just, you know, if, if there's something you want to do, why not do it? You know, I mean, ultimately like that's, uh, and I don't see the, the point of not doing that. So a lot of it is experimentation to find what is fulfilling and happy. Um, seeing what means something to you, seeing what clicks with you, seeing what will pay the bills because that's important. It's got to happen. You know, what risks are you willing to take? Can you take, how can you create safety net or foundation if you need to, you know, it's, it's a lot of different nodes. It's business stuff. It's personal stuff. It's, it's connecting to community or not, uh, depending on what your circumstance is, your artistic expression. If you need that, uh, there's so much to consider when it comes to thinking about all the different facets of happiness. And then there's the chemicals, you know, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and testosterone. And, you know, I think it's good to balance them. I find that they kind of balance each other out. Physical touch is important for that oxytocin release. Helps for calming, breathing, relaxing, you know. And if you find people that... It doesn't have to be like intimacy in terms of like sexuality or anything like that, but people you can hug, you know, and have conversations where you like touch their shoulder or something where you can shake hands with somebody. Physical touch is important. It's a bonding chemical. It's a loyalty and trust. And, and it's part of helping people to feel safe. I have a personal uh, theory that because of how much, we've been so isolated because of the pandemic and also the pervasiveness of the internet and easy access to, you know, knowledge and human beings and, and pseudo connection on the internet that we're not getting enough physical touch between human beings and trust and connection in that sense. Um, I think dopamine is obvious, but I think we can get too much dopamine looking at our screen too much, uh, looking for exciting things too much. The balance of that is typically something like oxytocin, physical touch. Um, but we do need 
our goals to actually like pan out. And dopamine is that. Dopamine is like reaching out to try to tangibly make a goal happen. It's the chemical reward thing, right? So it's dopamine is like whatever you just did, do it again, right? That's all it means. But dopamine has a negative effect over time, meaning that um, there's a term for it. It's negative something, but it's it's this idea that the more you get it or the quicker you get it in succession, the less effect it has. So you need to create some distance. And I think that's a built-in mechanism to make sure that we are diversifying our diet or experience or our goals or whatever it is that's getting us that chemical hit so that we're not just doing the same thing. Because doing the same thing over and over again, like if you just eat blueberries, that's a lot of acid and that's a problem uh, for your bodily system. Your body needs various nutrients, not just the ones that come from one experience uh, or, or one thing. So variety is important. I think that's a built-in variety mechanism and also encourages us to go for bigger things, to work on bigger projects, to go for bigger outcomes and not just go for short-term gains. And there's probably all sorts of evolutionary reasons for that. And, um, you know, I, I trust in uh, biology, uh, to, to know what's best there. Uh, but ultimately, I think if you're, I think if you're in a kind of mental dizzy state and you're on your phone too much and you can't focus, I think it's like a dopamine dysregulation and that's a good time to like take a break from your phone, listen to some music. I find that immersion is really important. I think serotonin has something to do with immersion. Serotonin is like safety in the community a little bit. Serotonin is... Um, you know, good food and, uh, safety and security, shelter, feeling safe, you know, not just a physical touch, touch, trust and loyalty, but being able to put your guard down because you're indoors or you're in your dwelling, right? Or you're in amongst your people and you don't need to have your guard up. And dopamine can sometimes be, you know, it's a risk-taking thing. So it's like your guard can be up, especially if you're in, interfacing with the internet or people uh, who are not your familiars, you know, um, <laughs> not in the vampire sense, but, <laughs> but you know, your, your people. And, um, you know, that kind of balances each other out. So if you're too much on the dopamine stuff, uh, try to find some serotonin or some oxytocin, some physical touch, or being around people uh, that you know, like, and trust that will, you know, provide a sense of, of physical comfort. And um, testosterone is important too, because we have to fight sometimes. We have to set boundaries. We got to build muscle. We got to push through some stuff. You know, we've got to be able to call upon a toughness at times and uh to to build something to create something to 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 touch upon something that is um really internal that we want to create in the external we want to bring something to life and i think that's really important to to access and and these are not tied to to male and female or even i mean I like referring to the chemicals more than even referring to masculine and feminine because it trips people up to talk about masculine and feminine energies. It's too confusing. But if you talk about the chemicals, 
you know, testosterone, yes, mostly in men, but women, they're definitely testosterone heavy women. Um, and that's not a, it's not an insult. It's, they're more assertive. They're sometimes, uh, physically stronger. You know, there's, um, just a, a, a bias towards that chemical and people can have biases towards, you know, the four main chemicals there. And so it's like getting to know what your chemical bias is, I think helps to, you know, to balance out what you're getting. Cause like there could be positives or detriments depending on, you know, whether you're getting not enough or too much of something. And, um, in my case, I think I have a, a pretty important relationship to oxytocin, which is funny because this podcast was originally called dopamine. And I thought very much that my relationship with dopamine was a big one, but I think, uh, oxytocin has been a big one for me. Physical touch. I've, um, uh, I've shied away from it. Um, not with my partner, but I, I think I've personally felt in my life that, it's, it's kind of related to my book that just came out. It's called Happy Chemicals and Neurotic Memoir. And I have relationships with women where I, I, I haven't felt like worthy of their attention and physical touch. And even with like my partners, it's always, I always felt like I was, I was going after them and no one really wanted me. And so it was, you know, it's not, um, it's, uh, it's, it's one thing to seek out physical touch. It's another one to be another thing to be touched. Right. And so being sought after being touched, someone wants to hug you, right? Like there's a feeling that comes from that. And I think I, I had some dysregulation around that and it has tied into some of the sex addiction stuff that I've talked about in other episodes as well related to, um, you know, dysregulating basically like oxytocin. And this is important for men. I think oxytocin is the, uh, loyalty hormone and it's, it's a chemical that releases when during childbirth to create that mother, uh, child bond, but it releases in men during something like sex or, uh, physical intimacy or connecting with people because, that chemical creates the association with this person who has released this chemical for you essentially. Right. So you create bonds and there have actually been studies that have shown that men with heightened with, with a high amount of oxytocin have uh, been men who have been extramarital or have had sex addiction problems. And when they're able to talk out their problems, essentially seek serotonin, seek comfort, seek, uh, uh, the community part and regulate with a different chemical that they, their levels went down and they were, they balanced their sense of loyalty with their partner. So instead of seeking loyalty with more people, because, I've definitely had this feeling of like, I want intimacy with as many people as possible. Yes. That did translate sometimes to intimacy sexually, but primarily it's like wanting deep connection with as many people as possible. And 
when I find ways to regulate my chemicals in other ways, meaning getting balance in all of the other chemical forms, meaning I'm taking risks, I'm doing creative stuff, I'm finding um, peace and connection with people that I really care about and feeling like a sense of belonging through the serotonin and also with like what I'm eating. And then also feeling intimacy and bonding with my partner and with my close friends with hugging and physical touch and my kids too, physical touch. And, and then also exercising, which is the part that I lacking in the most, I will admit. Um, and, and balancing that out as well, everything kind of balances. But if you find out which one you're like kind of hyper fixated on, maybe do a little research and figure out that there's, you know, ways to, to balance some of the others. So ultimately all of this is like, when it comes to happiness and joy, balancing the chemicals is important. Understanding how we're feeling and what we need. Sometimes it does go back to the basics. Start with a glass of water. Check if you're uncomfortable physically. You know, maybe you need to move your body. Maybe you need to go for a walk. Maybe it's breathing. Maybe you need some physical separation from somebody. Maybe you need to be closer to somebody. Maybe you need to create some distance from a job. If you can take a few days off, take a few days off. If you can't, you know, find other ways to take a break. Do a time audit of how you're using your time and attention. How much are you on your phone? You know, how much you can get away from being on your phone? Are you sharing your emotions with people? Or are you writing in a diary or something like that? Are you able to express yourself in some sort of way? Uh, and what are you building and creating or serving? Or um, are you challenging yourself? You know, are you in flow at times? What brings you flow? You know, write some of those things down. And challenging yourself, finding new ways to, to push the envelope a little bit. And are you taking in things that are interesting, you know, or are you just taking in all of the same stuff all of the time? Uh, if that's not fulfilling you, some personality types can, you know, watch the office a million times and get something new out of it somehow. But others, you know, other, for others, that's just kind of a loop for others. That's just like being on autopilot and it's like slowly killing them. It's like a death by a thousand cuts, right? So it's just noticing what is giving you life? What is taking life away from you? What is draining your battery? How are you filling your battery back up? And if you feel like you can't, then, you know, it's like just changing something, moving things around. And I think ultimately at the end of this, to so just wrap this up, because I could probably go on forever about this, honestly, I think acceptance is a major important one. Acceptance in all, acceptance in all its forms. Acceptance of who you are, acceptance of what you look like, acceptance of the emotions that you're experiencing, accepting, acceptance of the way the world works, of the way the universe works, of how time works. Time is continuously moving. You know, energies are moving. Wherever you are right now is not going to be the way it is forever. You know, there's always like, oh, it's Monday again. It's like, yeah, of course, Monday's going to come next week too. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. It's going to keep going. You know, you know, things keep changing and moving and, you know, the world doesn't need you all the time. So you can rest, but also life is to be engaged with, you know, you have this incredible opportunity to exist. Like the probability that you exist is 
kind of insane and that you're aware that you exist is also insane and you get to experience and be conscious of it. So take moments to breathe, to be grateful for even something as simple as your existence. If you have nothing else to be grateful for, to write some of those things down more often, to track all of the positives, to track all of the things that you've overcome because we've all overcome things. Even if that means like learning to walk when you were a kid, you know, there's something to, to track and be grateful for. And so acceptance is that, you know, I always hear this idea of like ego death. And I, I think ego death is one of those tricks of the ego <laughs> that it's, you know, playing dead, playing possum. But the biggest trick that you can play on your own ego is to accept it. That's ego transcendence. Like you're not in charge anymore. I see what you're doing. You're interesting, but I'm in charge now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, it, it's accepting that that's a part of you. This whole ego death thing is like a denial of that part of ourselves. It's like denying that you have kidneys. It's like, they're there. You can't not have them. And if you take them out, well, you know, that's a whole other thing. Uh, you know, so it's just acceptance that this is, you're human. This is accepting this. You're human. You have flaws. Other people have flaws. Your parents have flaws. Your kids have flaws. Your workplace has flaws. Your boss has flaws. Everything is delightfully flawed. And that's a beautiful part of our experience and our existence. And that we get to enjoy all of this. And joy ultimately comes from perspective. And I'm not talking just like to reframe everything to be positive or some sort of like quote unquote toxic optimism. I'm not saying to ignore the bad things, but I'm saying that there's so much beauty that we miss just the way that the light falls on something or the way something smells really taking in being mindful of your food and your eating and you know, enjoying an experience, even be conscious when you're with your partner intimately or hugging them on the couch or what you're watching together or talking about together, being in it, being immersed immersion right now, I think is one of the antidotes for the short attention span, dopamine hit cell phone over usage problems that we have that is stealing a lot of our joy that is um, encouraging us to seek quicker hits. But if you find something, I recommend something that's going to be like more than 45 minutes. So like an album to listen to a movie to get sunk into uh, conversation with your partner, doing some drawing, doing some writing, recording a podcast, because I'm at the 41 minute mark <laughs> and this feels pretty good to be able to do this. And hopefully this provides enough immersion for you to be able to take in something that's a little bit more poignant than scrolling and seeing someone else make a giant mozzarella stick on a stick, uh, which sounds delightful. <laughs> I would enjoy that right now. Um, but I don't want to go through the work. I always, whenever I cook, I've been trying to cook more, which like 
that's another immersion thing for me. I really enjoy cooking and creating. Um, I'm, I'm not good at it, but I'm learning that I never put enough breadcrumbs on stuff. And then it just like burns off and it's just, I'm just not great at that. But you know, there's joy in the process. There's joy in practicing and fumbling and trying. And for me in cooking, you know, that's my leading edge and I'm trying and doing my best. But like, you know, my, my son had a Pinewood Derby last night, which was like, or yesterday, which was like a little stock car. It's like a little wooden car with some wheels on it and it races other people and they have brackets and a competition and stuff. And he was really upset that he lost. And I think it's fair. Like, I think especially in today's world that is discouraging a lot of things like, you know, making money and caring about your, you know, earning and stuff like that or winning. It's like, I think it's valid to want to win. Like it's part of the embracing the testosterone part. Like it's valid to want to win because part, it's a survival mechanism. And, um, I wanted to, I didn't do a good job in the moment of reminding him of that. And hopefully I'll have a chance to talk to him about that. But like, it's okay to want to win stuff. But at the same time, it's important to also develop resilience that when we don't win, that we get back up. And that's another part of, I think, keeping our happiness alive is that like, there's joy in making mistakes. There's joy in not getting it right. There's joy in trying there's joy in efforting and i think when we're beating ourselves up adding those layers of narrative on top of the emotions we're experiencing of frustration that we're not getting it right or not winning it's like we're taking ourselves too seriously and ultimately a pattern that i've noticed and this may be a little controversial so hold on to your butts but <laughs> and then I said, but, <laughs> uh, um, I think when we get into a place of suicidal ideation, and I'm going to speak largely from my experience, but I'm also referencing stories that people have told me when we get to a point of suicidal ideation, I think we are taking ourselves too seriously. We are taking the value of our existence too seriously. We are taking the value of our impact too seriously. Sometimes people think about suicide because they want to use it as a revenge mechanism. Sometimes they feel like behind every inferiority complex is a superiority complex. Behind every superiority complex is an inferiority complex. And it's just another version of inflating or deflating ourselves to not be and accept us ourselves as to where we are again, flawed. Like it's, it's kind of insane to be so wrapped up in our emotional experience when we fart, like farts are funny and like to fart and then like not laugh at it a little bit. There's yes, there is often chemical dysregulations that are challenges that you need to speak to a therapist about and a podcast is not going to heal you around. But many of us are just kind of wrapped up in our own story so much, so much that we should be more important than we are, or we should have a bigger impact than we are, or I should like, should, 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 should. And, and 
there's a sense inside that, like, I'm a big deal. Why am I not a big deal? Or, I shouldn't exist if I can't be a big deal. And, you know, that's just one version of a narrative. But, inflation, inflation I think, is an important concept that helps with with tuning ourselves to happiness. It's like, it's, it's, there's significance in uh, being aware of our insignificance. Like, life is going to go on without you. Like, if the goal was to get to death, we could, we could win that game at any moment. You, you, I could have made that choice when I was 11 years old and I first wanted to end my own life. And great. I would have made it to the end. I blip in and I blip out, right? And in the grand scheme of things, that's what we all do. And, like, sometimes that's really scary to think about. But again, like, we don't experience it. We don't experience anything before we're born. We don't experience anything after we die. I mean, as far as I know. I'm not including the ideas of the afterlife and resurrection and all those things. It's not about belief. You're allowed to have those beliefs. Um, but a lot of it is tied to a fear of, of the unknown. It's like, what is it going to feel like? It's like, I don't know. Nobody knows. Um, but as far as we know, the fact that we don't know makes the existence that we have that much more precious. But at the same time, rare does not mean better. I've learned this from my INFJ friends who... In the Myers-Briggs system, there's always this story of, like, INFJs are the rarest personality type. It's like, you might be rare because you're dying out. <laughs> it doesn't, need, doesn't mean you're special. Uh, being rare and meaning you have a short shelf life as a human being means that in the scape, scope and scale of the universe, on an individual level, we're pretty insignificant. On the grand scale of things, in terms of reproducing and aiding to being a building block like a cell in the development of the human species or sentience in general, <clears throat> like, that part's kind of a big deal. But it's going to happen either way, whether or not it's you. So, there's kind of a... <clears throat> There's kind of an absurdity and an acceptance of that, not in a nihilistic way, as I start to lose my voice, but in a way that is like, oh, okay, there's a wave. I can either surf the wave, or I can be consumed by the wave, and be drug up to shore. But either way, we're going to go up to shore, shore being death in this case. And, you know, you can go willingly and you can have fun and you can try to enjoy the experience as best as you can and allow the universe to experience itself through you. Or you can go kicking and screaming and panicking and yelling that you don't want to do this while you're doing this. You know, it's like, 
It's happening. It's here. You're alive. You're in it. The molecules are moving. The chemicals are moving. Literally everything is moving. But you want to stop. That's the great uh, futility of our experience, I think. As a human being, we have, we have this ability to think that we can stop everything. Like we have this with, we have varying abilities to logically deduce things and pick things apart or build things or tear things down. We can affect so much around us, but this creates a massive hubris that we can stop time. We can stop the experience of time with enough meditation, uh, but everything is flowing. The universe is kind of a perpetual motion machine. Everything's moving. And you won't stop it. If you lay in bed and you don't do anything, eventually your body will break down from hunger or thirst. Thirst first. From hunger, um, your bones will stop operating because there's not enough movement to keep it alive. Basically, anything that is permanent is essentially dead. It's closer to lifelessness. So if you want to be alive, flow with the movement of existence. You want to be happy, flow with the movement of existence. Do the next thing. Move your body, move your arms, move your fingers, move your legs. Lay down, rest again, but participate. You know, to be kind of cheesy, be here now, <laughs> be a part of it all. Um, you know, if you're going to exist, exist. And this is going to sound rude, but if you're not going to exist, then don't. I mean, sometimes you're just getting in the way. But I mean that in an actuality, not in the narrative. I want to be clear about that. Don't use what I'm saying as ammo for your own dumb logic to keep yourself super serious about yourself. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying to feed this feeling of like, I'm just getting in the way. Again, that's another sense of inflation. Of, I'm so important that I'm affecting everyone's life. It's like, no, stop taking yourself so seriously. Stop it. Let go. You're here. You're alive. Be alive. Anyway. I get into like dad energy <laughs> after a while, um, get a little preachy too, but ultimately I think happiness comes in a lot of varying forms. It takes time to like have it all come together, but happiness can also be deterred from not feeling enough sadness, right? Like you need to experience the whole wheel of emotions. You know, do all of the things. Be a part of it all. Experience all of the human experience. Not just the ones that are good or safe <laughs> or whatever. Uh, you know, try stuff. You know, touch the flame and then pull back. <laughs> or whatever. Anyway, there's always stuff encoded in words. Um, so if you made it this far, I appreciate you for listening. Thank you. I've been wanting to be more consistent with this podcast, so there will be more. 
If you want to support what I do, you can go to patreon.com slash happychemicals and just support with some some financial stuff there uh, to, to, to help me keep this thing alive and going. I also have a substack, substack.com, um, let's go see note.substack.com where I do personal writings and all of that stuff. And if you go to cnote.studio, there are, there's like a link tree with links to all my projects and stuff, but patreon.com slash happy chemicals is where you can support this podcast directly. So thanks for listening to happy chemicals. I hope everything goes well for you today. Breathe, live, eat some good food, move your body, hug somebody if you can, and uh, be good to yourself. See you next time.